Hey everyone, I'm Jesse Sparks, host of the new podcast, The One Recipe, from the team behind The Splendid Table. This pod is all about that one recipe that you lean on. The one you share with friends, the one you make when you need a little love, and the one you know will work every single time. Every week, I talk with chefs and gifted cooks from all over the world about their one and the story behind it. We're here to help you build your kitchen library one dish at a time. Follow The One Recipe wherever you get your podcasts. The world is a dumpster fire. I'm Amy. And I'm Grace. And we want to fucking help. We're comedy writers in Los Angeles, and we like to take the bad shit we hear and work through it together. We talk about cultural moments we love. Talk to people we adore. Crushes we have. And self-care we stand. During these trying times, we all need a show that focuses on joy. This is The Antidote. Yay! Uh, it's 2023. The garbage fire that was 2022 <laughs> is um, in the bin, uh, rolling it down the driveway, and they're picking it up tomorrow. Yeah, and you know what? I just really want to start this new year off with a little bit of optimism. Just like, please, 2023 be fucking cool. Come on now. Yeah. Uh, and I'm talking about personally and professionally and world worldwide. Like yeah. everybody cuz people stop like bombing things and shooting up oh my markets God, and stuff like that. Like could y'all just be can cool this stop? Year? <laughs> world, can you stop? Can you stop? Like I don't know. I I I just really hope that it's a really good year for everybody within the sound of my voice. Yeah, and that's exactly why we have such a special guest today. Her name is Mecca yeah. Woods. Um, she's an astrologer. She's going to talk to us about the importance of our sun, moon, and rising signs in our charts oh, and some self care rituals according to our birth charts. And you get to learn a little bit more about us as she reads us to filth. Read us to filth is maybe <laughs> not the right way to say it. It's just like she re- she really read me down. Like she mm. like for real pegged me and I like literally fell out of my chair at one point. <laughs> so uh, stay tuned for that amazing conversation. Okay, Amy, uh, let's get into the show. Starting now up top with our bummer news of the week. So first up, and this has kind of been an ongoing thing, but we want to start nice and soft for you guys. So you might have some feelings about this one. But Black Twitter has really, really been going downhill ever since Elani took over the whole mechanism. Black Twitter's expected demise will make it harder not only to share memes about our favorite Black movies, but also to publicize things like police brutality and to discuss racism. Twitter has been essential to the spread of Black Lives Matter protests in 2020, as well as disturbing information regarding police brutality, which has helped raise the profile on a lot of painful topics and brought them to the mainstream. And we read in The Conversation, which is an online academic journal, that Black Twitter is one of the main sources of breaking news for stories involving police brutality. One interviewee told executive editor Beth Daly, quote, I definitely prefer videos on Twitter over hearsay or the news. I don't trust the news, but videos serve as solid evidence. I think that's important because there are lots of cases where people are killed by police and we wouldn't have any evidence if it weren't for videos on Twitter, end quote. And of course, Twitter is just a playground right now for a rich white man like Musk who will never understand how life-saving the information could be. And also, mm-hmm. you know, it probably doesn't care. Um, yeah. He's actually mocked Black Lives Matter movement. So, you know, 
It's bad. Yeah, but I will say I have been looking for an alternative to Twitter, Mm. but I think it's really hard to build something like that. Twitter is a beast, and they spent years and years and years building the infrastructure to make it as simple as it is to us now. You know, that's why I'm not leaving Twitter or whatever. At least I'm a liberal voice on there. Why it's a bummer to me is just I feel like it's all intentional. I feel like this billionaire man has taken control of something that was extremely democratic. What I think Mm -hmm. his intention is that billionaires, companies, things have been held accountable by the Twitter audience. And now they're just like, it's worth more than what it is worth so that Mm -hmm. these people can't have a voice. So they're like, you know what? We could control the narrative they've been booting liberal journalists off the platform for no fucking reason. I think it feels very calculated. Yeah, I mean, I, I that's very insightful. I actually uh, do sort of agree with that because there's so many things that feel like very silly that he does, but like intentionally either trying to silence marginalized voices or unencumber powerful voices from doing exactly what they plan to do anyway. That goes even Mm -hmm. deeper than just Black Twitter. But that's not the only bit of bummer news today. Next up is this. A man in the UK made a children's book entirely using AI, and illustrators are not happy. The man's name is Amar Reshi, and I have to be honest, I googled him, and he has such a smiley, cute face, and I feel like he'd be a fun hank. But So I want to support him, (laughs) but the fact is that Reshi used ChatGPT, which is an AI designed for dialogue and chat to come up with the story of Alice, a young girl who wants to learn more about tech and AI, along with the help of Sparkle, the robot. He then used Midjourney, an AI designed to output images based on prompts to create images for the books. After hours of tweaking images, his book, Alice and Sparkle, was finished and uploaded on Amazon only 72 hours after the conception of the idea. (laughs) So there are all these children's book authors and illustrators criticizing the process, noting that the story was, quote, formulaic and flat, and expressed concern that, quote, the use of AI in creating stories will create a proliferation of poor quality stories, both on the writing and the illustration side. That's a quote from UK Children's author Josie Dom. And you know what? She ain't wrong, but also how innovative. (laughs) I do get that there are questions about copyright and ownership with AI developing further and further. And that's something that is kind of scary. Yeah, it is really scary. I mean, I literally... As writers, I'm just like, oh, they're going to teach them how to they're write take movies. Our jobs. <laughs> but I don't know. I feel like y'all like just trust technology too much. All of those people, have you seen on Instagram, like people who have made AI versions of their faces and stuff? And it's like literally in the user agreement, there's like, you sell the rights to your face. Yeah. I'm like, literally like, y'all, just to look cute for a second on the gram, you went and sold the rights to your whole damn face. Yeah, I'm not letting anybody have my face. I'm so sorry. I mean, I'm sure that they have my face from all my pictures that are in the iCloud. But at the same time, I'm not going to make it easier for you. I'm not going to do that. So yeah. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, the AI stuff is just weird and scary. And I do believe, I mean, computers are already smarter than us. So like, why are we giving it more power, like to take things that are our imagination? Like, why are you trying to give a computer imagination? Like, that's weird, y'all. That's very weird to me. And yeah, I bet the stories are flat. But sometimes I realize that Amy, we be working hard and stuff. But I, I know. Sometimes 
Like I know the the know like when doing. I watch like YouTube videos and stuff like that, I was like, mm-hmm. I'm actually part of the problem. I'm consuming this too, and I was just like, the camera's shaky, the editing is bad, like whatever. But people are just watching mm-hmm. that. I was just like, maybe people just have less standards. But I don't want to read an AI children's book or an AI book or I see an AI movie. Like I want to know a human being was behind it and it was colored with their experiences and um, their particular voice. Like I don't want to. Yeah, it's very strange. But then y'all do it stuff to help the computer develop a voice. Like it's it's very creepy and weird. I do not like it, Sam. I am Mm-mm. a great children's book. Yes, that a person <laughs> wrote. Oh, how do you feel after talking about all this today, Grace? Oh, weird. I mean, yeah, it's the top of the year. Come on, everybody, be fucking cool. Everybody be cool. Everybody be cool. Everybody be cool. Uh, How about you? You know, kind of the same. It's like both of these stories are kind of like things that were happening at the end of the year. And I'm like, ooh, how does it bode for the new year? But I'm like, okay, we know that there's always going to be toxicity and negativity. And that's why we need our antidotes. That's why we need our antidotes. So this is a segment where we tell you about the culture we consumed and things we did this week that made us feel better about the bummer news. What was your antidote this week, Grace? Well, I have gotten into fashion and luxury in the past few years, you know, just building my collection. And so I feel like I overindulged a little bit. So I'm not buying any more bags right now. I'm not buying any more shoes right now. That's That one's probably a lie. But I just really want to be more judicious and like create more of a capsule wardrobe where, because I had to be honest, like there was only so much of the stuff that I wore and then so much of the stuff that's really my style. So what I've been doing is I've been doing a closet purge. Uh, mm. and um, it's bringing me just a lot of joy because I'm I'm touching things that I haven't worn in years, but then I'll look at it and, like, it'll give me a memory of the time that I did wear it. And then, yeah. uh, but I just thank it and I let it go, put it in my bag for, like, goodwill. Nice. Or I'm giving some of the stuff away to some of my friends and stuff like that. It's just been really nice uh, to be like, oh, I no longer need this this clear space Mm -hmm. for new energy, new things Mm -hmm. to sort of come into my life that I actually enjoy more. Yeah, that's just bringing me a lot of joy and just just even reframing the idea of like possessions, like focusing more on quality and less on quantity of possessions has been just very, a great way to just like start the new year off right. Um, What was your antidote this week? Well, as you know, I love a walk and we had our guest Ashley Blaine Featherson on and I had a hot girl walk. Well, I had a friend that I wanted to catch up with recently, an old high school friend who is, you know, a mom. She has kids and we just, our schedules don't match up. And she randomly texted me out of the blue and I was about to go for a walk. And I said, hey, do you want to go on a walk with me? And she was like, yeah. So we got on the phone and she, she didn't go on her, she didn't go on a walk when I was on the phone with her. Um, but I went for a walk. Mm-hmm. It was so nice because I I really struggle. Like I'm an introvert. I don't like to go places. Um, and I also like am very busy. Like we're, I don't know what happened. This hybrid life came <laughs> back outside life. And it's just there's too much shit going yeah. on. And I don't have time to see people I care about 
um, because I'm like building. I'm just still in a building phase with mm-hmm. my career and I just don't always have the time and I miss people. Yeah. And so I've been trying to find ways to integrate them into the things I have to do to take care of my body or I have to do to get from point A to point B. Mm-hmm. So like I'll call a friend when I'm driving to a meeting. An ideal world, we'd be walking together side yeah. by side to the same destination, maybe going to grab a cup of coffee. But it's hard to plan that these days. It's just yeah. so hard. And I and I wish we could get back to a simpler time, but it feels like people came out of the pandemic and were like raring to go and just like, <laughs> it's just really been nuts. Yeah. Um, so it was really nice to find a new way to go on a walk with a friend. Aww. And so um, I... I, I like sometimes I do like the serenity of doing things alone. Like I said, mm-hmm. I, I I love to have solo time, but it was a really nice way to catch up with a friend and do something good for myself at the same time. Well, if you guys tried any of our antidotes at home, share them with us using the hashtag that's my antidote or leave us a voicemail at 833-684-3683. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back to The Antidote. We have a special guest today. Who is it, Grace? Our extraordinary guest today is an astrologer, author, and podcaster. She began astro coaching in 2012, inspired by her work in social services Mm. and a passion to create positive change. She's written for publications such as Bustle, Cosmopolitan, Cocoa Butter, TLC, Tarot.com, and Essence. Her book, Astrology for Happiness and Success, was the first book to be published by a Black woman astrologer after a 15-year gap and the first book published by a Black woman astrologer for a general audience. Please welcome co-hosts of the Stars on Fire podcast, Mecca Woods. Thank you. Thank you, Grace. We are so excited to talk to you. I mean, listen, Amy is a Virgo queen. (laughs) I love my Virgo. I am a Aries queen. I love my Aries. And we are just so... (laughs) We talk about astrology a lot. A lot. Like if you <laughs> if you listen to even one episode of this podcast, like we're not one episode goes by where we're not like, well, as a Virgo, <laughs> literally all the time. Like we're sick with it. I love it. I love it. My kind of girls. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm such a typical Aries. I'm being Aries right now, trying to grab the attention. Look at me right now. well Aries are very I mean Aries are very warm I find that even though like in astrology Aries get a lot of bad rap for being kind of self-involved many of the Aries I know are like very like warm towards the people that they love and very like encouraging and inspiring which you know essentially and I I don't know I could be biased I'm also a fire sign Um, I'm Sagittarius so (laughs) (laughs) oh I get along with Sagittarius a lot like I have quite a few Sagittarius friends yeah yeah Aries and Sag are like thick as thieves because, you know, we understand like that fiery energy. Yeah. That's real. Well, you were saying right before we got started that Virgo and Aries are mirror signs. Could you tell us more about that? Yeah. So in astrology, there's something called mirror points and it has a lot to do with signs that kind of mirror each other, but 
they may be very different, but they kind of carry some of the similar qualities. So Aries and Virgo mm. in astrology sort of mirror each other. If you think about like, so, you know, Virgos are known for being like pretty hardworking and very yes. busy. Yeah. Um, Aries yes. are also pretty hardworking and very busy signs too. So when you put the two signs together, whether it's working as a team or even like, like for example, my daughter is an Aries with a Virgo moon, it just tends to generate like a lot wow. of energy um, and can be really good in terms of like tackling projects and reaching goals and, you know, just kind of getting shit done. Oh my yes. Goodness. So we're That's perfect together. Me. We already knew though. We're perfect together. <laughs> <laughs> Literally incredible. So Mecca, the show is called The Antidote because life is hard and we all need different antidotes to deal with the bullshit. So what is your antidote? In other words, what is something non-work related that's bringing you joy this week, this month? This week, this month, well, I did just celebrate a birthday. Ooh. Oh, happy birthday. That's right. You're a Sag, yes. so you just did. Yeah, yes, Sagittarius. Yeah, shout out to my fellow Sages. Um, So I would probably say that's the big thing. I always tell people that, like, so, you know, astrology follows the seasons, right? And mm-hmm. when we get to Sag season, that's typically, you know, around, like, Thanksgiving time. You know, mm-hmm. we're thinking about holiday parties and those kinds of things as, we, as we're headed into the new year. And mm-hmm. um, I always told folks, like, Sagittarius is kind of like that last hurrah <laughs> just before we go mm-hmm. into the cold winter, you know, like, because yeah, like, when we get right. to the winter, you know, it's cold, you know, it's typically a time when we kind of hunker down and we wait for the spring to come back, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, definitely I've been trying <laughs> to get in my last hurrah before the winter <laughs> comes in. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I want to talk just a little bit about the astrology of it all in this time of year. Mm-hmm. It's obviously Sagittarius season, Capricorn season. What are things these winter signs should look out for? Well, I think for when we get to winter. So like I was saying, like Sagittarius season, you know, it's a fire sign and in astrology, the element of fire is associated with like fun and joy and, you know, warmth. Mm. When we go into Capricorn season, you know, Capricorn is an earth sign. Capricorn is ruled by the planet Saturn, which is known as being a very like icy and kind of cold planet. And so it's not uncommon, you know, for this time of year to be pretty hard on people emotionally, right? This can be a time, you know, where people find themselves feeling kind of down and like bummed out and, Mm -hmm. you know, it can be really Mm -hmm. rough. So when we come out of Sag season, we enter Cap season. I think so. The opposite sign of Capricorn is Cancer. Mm-hmm. Wow! And Cancer is a water sign. Cancer is the sign that we have in the summer and starts the summer. And mm-hmm. so, mm-hmm. Cancer represents things like family. You know, family closeness, togetherness. Mm-hmm that sort of nutrition that you get or nourishment that you get from having close familial bonds. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I think one of the things that we have to keep in mind when we go into the winter is like that closeness. And so we Mm -hmm. kind of balance some of that hard sort of cold reality that Capricorn brings us, Mm -hmm. balance that out with some of that Cancerian like nurturing and care. So mm, that's something yeah. to kind of so to, nice. to think about. Yeah. 
I love that. It's like self-care. Like this is the season for self-care, remembering your family, your loved ones, but also taking care of yourself. Mm -hmm. Do you recommend aligning your self-care rituals with your chart? Like, oh, my moon is in this. This is how I should care for myself. Yeah, 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 totally. Uh, I actually have a book out called The Astrology Journal where I Mm -hmm. teach people like the basics of astrology, but it's designed to use astrology as a tool for self-care, you know, journaling day by day based on like how you feel. Because one of the biggest things that tends to affect us on a day-to-day basis is where the moon is located. Um, Not only just in our chart, right? So everybody has a moon sign depending on the day and the time that they were born. The moon represents our emotional selves, you know, what we need to feel happy and nourished and safe. Mm -hmm. The moon has a lot to do with that. But then the moon, you know, while the moon is cycling, through in the sky, the moon also represents like the collective mood in terms of what's going on and happening day to day, Mm. moment to moment. And depending on where the moon is at any time in the sky, sometimes it can represent a time where you might really feel good and you're in the zone and everything feels very easy. But then there's some times where the moon can be in certain parts of the sky and maybe it kind of rubs up against your chart kind of wrong in a way. And you might feel mm-hmm. very stressed or tired mm-hmm. or weepy. So, yeah, mm-hmm. so definitely astrology can definitely show us like how to work with the timing that we have, you know, and like how to use that and harness it for self-care for sure. Well, listeners, before we had Mecca on, Grace and I actually sent her our natal charts. So I'd love to know if there are any self-care rituals that you would recommend for Grace and me based on our natal charts. Sure, sure. So when I was looking at both of your charts, I noticed how active Mercury is in both of your charts. So Grace, I know that you are an Aries, uh, but you're a Gemini rising, right? So your rising (gasps) sign... I didn't know that until this moment, and now I know a lot. <laughs> That's incredible. Um, so, and then, you know, with Amy, you know, you're a Virgo. You know, Virgo is ruled by the planet Mercury. Mercury is a very busy planet, which is why mm-hmm. every time Mercury goes retrograde, we're always like, what is what is happening? What is going on? Um, Mercury mm-hmm. helps us to communicate, come up with ideas. It's not uncommon to find people with a very active Mercury in their chart, like people who work in media or television, writing, you know, hosting shows and podcasts because Mercury is like, I have something to say. I want to get these ideas out. I want to talk to people, right? (laughs) That's cool. Right? But at the same time, Mercury can also create a lot of like mental chatter where sometimes it can be hard Mm -hmm. to like relax or, you know, kind of shut your mind off when you need to, right? So Mm -hmm. one of the things that tends to help Mercury is... You can do work with um, planet Venus. So Venus is the planet that has a lot to do with, you know, what you value, what brings you pleasure. So Grace, in your chart, you have a Venus in Taurus. Amy, your Venus, I believe, is in Virgo, right? So it's, in- it's interesting. <laughs> it's interesting because that Virgo is answering right to that Mercury. But, you know, Venus and Virgos are happiest when they're doing things related to self-care and self-nourishment. Like Virgo is a sign wow. that is associated with like wellness as well. So it's not uncommon for a oh, lot of Virgos cool. to like have routines, you know, like a routine is really important for you, right? Like making sure that you stick to a routine because when you get pulled off of it, that's when you can find yourself like feeling very stressed and and overworked. So 
know, having like a routine that's regular, whether it's a morning one, whether it's an evening one, right? That's focused on things. Whether it's both. Whether it's both. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Um, and also routines, you know, like outside of just work habit, like your work routine, but like having a routine that's geared towards your wellness and your mental health and, and things of that nature. Yeah. When we talk about uh, a Venus in Taurus, Venus and Taurus is all about beauty and art and love oh my and pleasure. God. That's my friend. All the sensual things friend. in life, you know. Yes, sensuality. <laughs> yes. yes. Beauty and art and love? That's great. No, literally, Mecca, like, so, like, in the past year and a half, I've been getting a lot into, like, fashion mm, mm-hmm, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And also, like, a beauty and, and yeah, very much me. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah I, and, you know, the thing about that, too, is that both of you have your Venus signs in Earth, right? So when we talk about yeah. Earth as an element in astrology, you know, Earth loves money, <laughs> for sure. Shall like, that's one of the do. things, you know, financial security is associated with Earth. But Earth is also related to our physical body, right? And how we feel in it. And so mm-hmm. when you are doing things for yourself, you know, especially at the physical level, or even mm-hmm. just like a skincare regimen, you know, like yeah, that would be perfect that. for the both of you just to kind of take a time out and just kind of focus I on did. that. <laughs> what general advice could you give us to make the most of 2023? I think it could be a good time to really put your ideals into action, right? So whatever world you're kind of envisioning or what you want to create, I think that 2023 will give you the opportunity to start laying the groundwork for that, right? Like we've all been through a lot, you know, over the past couple of years. it's been a time. We sure have. It's been a lot. Trauma. And that's Mm -hmm. not to say that that is completely over because we still, you know, there's still a ways to go. But I do think that things may be a bit more hopeful in the sense that it almost makes me think of like a thawing out to some degree. Like, you know, we've kind of all been suspended in place, you know, and I think 2023 will allow for some for us to kind of kind of revive a bit and start laying the groundwork for things that we actually want to build and see take over, you know, in the future. So that, I would say, is probably the thing that you want to keep in mind, even though things are, you know, awful. And like I said, you know, there's still a lot of stuff going on that needs to be handled and addressed. You know, I guess maybe this is the Sagittarius in me. My thing has always been like, you know, don't give up the hope because there's still things, you know, worth enjoying and having in this life. Oh, that's beautiful. I mean, I used to live in New York Mm -hmm. and I used to work on a show called Kimmy Schmidt and I used to be around the corner from a crystal shop. And I remember this lady telling us at the crystal shop, she was like an astrologer and she's just like, we're going into an eight year period of extreme chaos. Mm. And when she said it, I was just, that was 2016, by the way. And when she she said that, I was just like, oh shit. (laughs) Cause I was just like, Donald Trump had just been elected. And like, I was just like, what? And so I really, truly hope that we're coming out of that. You know, I try to remember, like, over the years, I've, like, always remembered eight years, eight years, eight years, eight years. Mm-hmm. you know, yeah, especially yeah. during, like, 2020 and uh, just 2020 was awful in 2021. So it, it it's very helpful to hear that there might be a more hopeful time on the horizon. I think everybody could use to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm desperately in search of that. So I have a Scorpio. Moon. Yes. Yes. So what 
are the characteristics of somebody who has that? Yes. <laughs> well, if you think about the sign of Scorpio, Scorpio is a, is a sign that lights control, right? And when we mm-hmm. talk about the idea of control and we talk about that in context of the moon, the moon has a lot to do with what we need to feel safe. So when you have a Scorpio moon, <laughs> you're going to be someone who controls your emotions in a way that makes you feel safe. So, you know, a lot of people will talk about like it's hard oftentimes to get through to someone who has a moon in Scorpio is because that moon is throwing up defenses <laughs> to what? avoid. Great. Listeners need to know Grace looks like she feels red right now. I am convicted (laughs) to avoid getting hurt, you know, or being like too, you know, too vulnerable. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, by the way, Mecca, I'm signing up to do a full ass. (laughs) (laughs) Listeners, just so you know, you can actually book Mecca and you you can can. have her read for you. You Let me tell you that this queen is reading me down right now. Yeah. 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 Grace almost fell out of her chair. Wow, that is so crazy. Yes. Yeah. I I definitely have what you just said. Yeah. But, you know, I think the flip side of that, too, is that, like, you know, when you do let down your guard or you do care a great deal about someone, they have, like, a real ride or die person in you, for sure. That's very true, too. Yeah, that's super true. My whole family is Scorpios. I'm a family of five wow. and everyone else. I'm the Virgo, but four people in my family are Scorpios. So I find I'm very attracted to Scorpio energy. Mm-hmm. Like anyone who's like mildly mercurial. <laughs> I'm just like, come over here. <laughs> I'm like, so many of my closest friends are Scorpios. So I'm like, literally, it's like home to me because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. that's what I grew up with. And it doesn't surprise me that Grace has a Scorpio moon because I'm like, yes, of course. Jesus Christ. I want to nurture that part of you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Through my Libra moon. <laughs> so, yeah, so for Amy, like, as a Libra moon, you feel nurtured through partnerships. Thanks. I would say, because, like, when I looked at your chart, I noticed that your moon was in the zone of your chart that has to do with money. And so for you, like, business relationships and business partnerships are really important. Um, You're correct. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Mama likes her coins. Right. <laughs> Yeah, my queen has a company. Yeah, yeah. Because otherwise, mm-hmm. like, when I looked at your chart, I noticed that you have a pretty, like, self-contained, you know, independent kind of chart. Don't really need too much from the outside, so to speak. But when it comes mm-hmm. to, like, business or getting that coin, absolutely, you know, that's where you tend to, like, partner up and pair up with people. She get a bag. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And I love, and I think not to like toot my own horn, but I do think it also speaks to my desire for mentorship because I love to partner up. I love to support people mm-hmm. and be supported mm-hmm. in work spheres so much. And I'm like, that must be that part of me because there is part of me that always is like, as a Virgo, why do I like that so much? Because so much of my Virgo energy is like, well, here's the right way to do something. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, it's the Libra part of me that like actually really loves collaboration mm-hmm. and like wants to be nurtured in that way, which is really yeah. Cool to hear it validated from you because I've been wondering for a while, something that I've been wondering about. So, um, Mecca, you've served as a board member for the International Association of Ethics and Astrology, which is really, really cool. Mm-hmm. So, I'd love to know what is the greatest misconception that you've heard when it comes to astrology and how do you work to combat those through your work? Yeah. I mean, in doing this work, I often come across my share of skeptics, which is totally fair, fine. Fair. You yeah. know, like, 
Yeah. My goal is not to like browbeat someone into, you know, using astrology. And that, and that's the thing too. Like some of the misconceptions is that astrology works the same way as it does like with, let's say like a, a religion mm. because people are like, oh, you know, do you really believe in that? And one of the favorite quotes that I've ever come across in reference to astrology and like belief is that you don't need to believe in a hammer in order to use it, right? And that's kind of like mm-hmm. the way that I feel about astrology. It's a tool more so than anything yeah. or a language. Sometimes I use the idea of like a language of like giving context to like what using the planets and talking about that and how that affects things here on earth. Mm-hmm. People will talk about astrology as a pseudoscience. Astrology is not a science, mm. actually. Um, I would say it's more mm-hmm. of an art, if anything. Mm. That's beautiful. Yeah. Or just the idea that, like, the planets are, like, actively dictating, like, our future. You know, like, if anything, uh-huh. we're kind of mm-hmm. co-creating with the universe. Yeah. So astrology is just the language for how we're doing that pretty much. There's that old saying, like, as above, so below, you know, like, that's kind of the school of thought that I take when I'm talking or discussing astrology. So for me, when I'm coming in contact with anyone who's, like, skeptical, for me, it's more like, I appreciate people who are curious, you know, like, if you're not necessarily versed in astrology or, you know, quite don't know if it works or not, but you're still open to discussion, these are the people that I like to engage with and talk to and kind of educate, you know, like, because my goal is to Mm -hmm. show people the way it works. And another way that I do that is through the podcast that we have where we talk about different Mm -hmm. things going on so people can see, like, how astrology affects us in real time. So these are just some of the ways Mm -hmm. that I I try to uh, keep people engaged. Yeah, I love that because I I do think, well, the way I think about astrology anyway, is this like, it's a tool to like know yourself Mm -hmm. better, but I don't necessarily be like, oh, because Mercury is in retrograde then, there's nothing that's going to go right this month. Like, I I think that it's just sort of a tool to understand what is going on just collectively Mm -hmm. on this planet and then Mm -hmm. to understand myself better. So we have talked about our sun and moon signs. What can our risings tell us about ourselves? Mm -hmm. I am a Gemini rising. Mm -hmm. Like, what does that mean? Yes. So (laughs) your rising has to do with kind of like your outward personality, right? It's Mm -hmm. how you present. And the you that people get to meet, especially like first impressions, right? So mm-hmm. when you're a Gemini rising, the way that you're showing up has a lot to do with your intellect, wanting to learn, wanting to share ideas, wanting to connect and figure stuff out. So when people meet you, they may meet someone who is intellectually engaging. You know, you always have something mm-hmm. interesting to say or a good question to ask, or even just the idea of like being someone who's <laughs> very busy. Like I said, Mercury is a very busy planet. So people see you and you maybe see you just running, you know, dashing here and there, going, you know, to different places right. about your day or, or you know, handling business. So, yeah. So Gemini, I also find that people who have Mercury in charge of like their chart, like a Gemini, also have like a very youthful appearance as well. Um, <laughs> this is great. Oh my you got a God. young ass face. I'm so old, Megan, but I don't look at She looks 21. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Gemini energy is very like playful and kind of like it makes me think of uh, whenever I think about Gemini, I always think about like that sprightly fairy, like Tinkerbell ish. Mm, I, I can be that. <laughs> yeah. 
I definitely, you know what? The thing that's so funny is that, like, a lot of my friends in L.A. don't know that side of me because I used to be an actor. Mm -hmm. And so I used to really embrace that kind of sprightly. I used to, like, dance on tables Mm -hmm. and, like, Mm -hmm. just really hold, like, court and hold that energy. Like, that is something that is within me. But once I started getting to the other side of the camera, I sort of, like, toned that down a little Mm -hmm. bit because I was just like, oh, this is annoying people. (laughs) (laughs) Literally, when I got to film school, I used to do shit like we'd be taking a picture and like I'd like jump in the fountain and people be like, she's an actor. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's so funny. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But you both, you know, with uh, Amy, you have a Virgo rising and Grace, you having a Gemini Mm -hmm. rising. Like I said, you know, both Virgo and Gemini are ruled by Mercury. So um, I think that also has a lot to do with why you both have a podcast and have a podcast together. Um, but also, too, those signs, Gemini and Virgo, are very multifaceted. So when we talk about that on the Ascendant, mm-hmm. you know, people may see you as being someone who's kind of like a, a gel of all trades to some degree, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, good. I feel that. Wow. <laughs> this was so, so wonderful. Mecca, we both feel so much better having talked to you. This is incredible. Like, just hearing this breakdown. And I don't know why, but I feel, like, reassured for my future. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm going to okay. And I'm like, why? (laughs) So do you have anything coming up that you want to tell us about? Anything you like to plug? I mean, you know, if people want to get a reading from me, they can find me at mylifecreated.com. I have a couple of books out. I have Astrology for Happiness and Success. Uh, I also have the Astrology Journal. I have also some coloring books Mm -hmm. for each sign, adult coloring books. I'm going to get one. And where can people find you on the internet? Yeah, so they can find me at my website, My Life Created. I'm also on Instagram at One Mechanism. And you can also find me on Twitter, I guess. <laughs> I mean, Twitter. What is Twitter? I know what is that anymore. I, like go there. I go there like once a week to like retweet our podcast tweets. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, the funny thing about that is that uh, the internet as a whole is undergoing a Saturn return. So I don't know if people are familiar with Saturn returns or what they mean, but essentially it means, you know, around the time that you turn 30, you're kind of like, all right, (laughs) I need to grow up. I need to get my act together. And and there could be a lot of work that you put in in doing that. So the internet itself. So that's why things are so fucked up mm -hmm. right now? Yeah, it's 30. Yeah. It's entering its dirty 30s. Yeah. That makes total sense because it feels like the internet doesn't know what it wants to be and it's fostering so many negative things right now yeah yeah and and i think that that's going to be a continued theme in 2023 like what do we do with technology and how do we do it like how how do we work with technology in a way that isn't like as harmful as it's been yeah because you know we have the the ai stuff you know that's a big thing now right stealing people's artwork and yeah if you don't want to find me on twitter eh, i'm i'm there (laughs) (laughs) at the mechanism (laughs) if you want to find me but you know i've been just telling people go to my website to catch up on things i'm trying to get better at updating it too so yeah awesome well thank you so much mecca this was a true delight Thank you so much. It was awesome talking to you and meeting you guys. Yes, this is incredible. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so to close this out, we are doing our creative tap-in, which is our segment about creativity. Amy, are you ready for this week's quote? 
Yes, I am. You don't start out writing good stuff. You start out writing crap and thinking it's good stuff, and then gradually you get better at it. That's why I say one of the most valuable traits is persistence, (laughs) and that's by Octavia E. Butler. Yes. You don't start out writing good stuff. You start out writing crap and thinking it's good stuff, and then gradually you get better at it. That's why I say one of the most valuable traits is persistence. That's Octavia E. Butler, sci-fi queen, mm-hmm. rest in peace. Kindred mm-hmm. is out on FX. Ooh, was that an ad? Because I don't think they paid for that. <laughs> I know, I know, but I'm just saying it was such, it's such a formative book for me. Yeah, we're going to support our Black sci-fi queen. Uh, yeah, this quote is true because literally that's what the journey is. I really believe in the idea of the 10,000 hours, like the Malcolm yeah. Gladwell thing. You got to get your 10,000 hours. And quantity leads to quality. And I've just always felt that way. And I know someone once told me that being in entertainment is a war of attrition. You just have to stick around. You have to have persistence. It's like it's a war of attrition. Just keep doing what you're doing over and over again and don't leave. And with that means getting better, you know, as you continue to improve and take classes and network and find your tribe, like all of those things are making you better. And I definitely agree that, it's rare. Like, I'm sure there are like, what is it called? Like like a savants, yeah. Savants, yeah, yeah. Like, or youth prodigies, mm-hmm. you know. I'm sure there are savants or prodigies that start out writing good stuff. But don't assume you're that. You're probably not that. You're probably the norm <laughs> who starts out just a little bit shitty. <laughs> so work through those 10,000 hours and have that persistence. Now, I wish... What Octavia Butler mentioned was how to get that persistence because sometimes it'd be hard to keep going. Yeah. Yeah. What does this quote make you think, Grace? Well, I actually felt like we talked about with Mecca, like that a little bit of that mentorship vibe today when I was mm. pulling this quote. And I do feel like, mm. you know, both of you and I talk to beginning writers all the time. And I just wanted to yeah. have this quote as a reminder because I needed to hear that. I remember the first time I heard something like this. It wasn't exactly this, but I think I heard from John August. He's like great screenwriter. And then he also has a very popular screenwriting podcast with, I believe, Craig Mazin is his co-host. So I remember hearing that you're like working your way towards your taste. Like a lot of times like creative people have like good taste and then you're kind of writing your way towards that taste. I think that's what you said. I mean, don't yeah. quote me. <laughs> it ain't the quote of the week, it's okay? Not the quote Octavia of the week. is. So <laughs> I feel like any of you guys who are listening to me and Amy and have aspirations to write or to act or to direct, I just want you guys to remember that those early attempts are not supposed to be perfect. Oftentimes you want to do it because you're passionate about it. You saw something, you thought maybe this is something I want to do. That persistence, like I can't tell you guys how many times I heard no before I heard yes. <laughs> Hundreds probably times I heard no before I heard yes. So I just want to say that the persistence is such a huge part of working your way towards being an artist. And don't expect your first script, 
the first play you're in, your first dance, the first thing that you direct, don't expect it to be freaking Shakespeare or, you know, Shonda Rhimes or whoever our people, you know, Mike White. Don't expect it to be that because when I first started, there is sort of this mysticism around artistic um, pursuits that's sort of like, Mm -hmm. you either have it or you don't type shit. You know what I'm saying? I feel like a lot of people feel that way about artists, that you're either talented or you're not. But I do think, of course, I think talent has something to do with it. But I also think that you can get better if you're early mm-hmm. attempts. Don't give up on your early attempts. Mm-hmm. Don't think, oh, I, I got bad feedback from a professor or I got bad feedback from this person or that. First of all, you don't know so if they okay. taste is up to par, number one. Okay. And number two, if there's a small voice inside you telling you to keep going, just keep going. And let me be that small voice for you today. If you are thinking about giving up on something artistic that you're doing, just continue. Persistence is, I would say, of it is persistence. So keep going. Just keep doing it. Keep showing up. And hopefully we'll all reach the iconicness of Octavia E. Butler. And if you haven't read her books, check her out because she is an icon. She's passed away quite a, a while ago. But I love that, you know, because of Kindred coming out on FX, people are beginning to put her back in the zeitgeist. But, you know, there's not that many Black female um, sci-fi writers back when she was doing it. So she is definitely um, a pioneer. Um, so check her out. Yeah. And if you want to be mad inspired, look up her journal because she wrote a letter to herself saying, I will be paid to write my stories. I will achieve notoriety and fame. She wrote this journal post herself that I printed out when I was starting out in my career and used to have in my desk at work because I was like, damn, the audacity of this queen. Like she literally was just like, yeah, it's going to happen for me. And it did. And And I'm like, but that shit don't come easy. You have to keep showing up just like Grace said. So I love that. I love that message. Thank you, Grace. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening to The Antidote. We hope this injected a little bit of joy into your week. I know it did mine. How about you, Amy? I feel good, girl. We should do this again sometime. Oh, we'll be here next week. And in the meantime, if you'd like to follow us on social, follow me, Grace, at Gracie Act. That's G-R-A-C-Y-A-C-T. And follow me, Amy, at Amy Aniobi. That's A-M-Y-A-N-I-O-B-I. And follow the show at The Antidote Pod. That's the with two E's. If you like feeling good about yourself, please subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Goodbye. And lay the groundwork for the world you want. The Antidote is hosted by us, Amy Aniobi and Grace Edwards. The show's production team includes senior producer Sierra Spragley-Ricks and associate producer Jess Penzetta. Our executive producer is Erica Krauss and our editor is Erica Janik. Sound mixing by Alex Simpson. Digital production by Miju Sayuni. Talent booking by Marion Ways. Our theme music was composed and produced by Titi the Artist and Cosmo the Truth. APM Studio executives in charge are Chandra Kravati, Alex Shafford, and Joanne Griffith. Concept created by Amy Aniobi and Grace Edwards. Send us your antidotes at antidoteshow.org and remember to follow us on social media at The Antidote Pod. The Antidote is a production of American Public Media.